morning, Chris. How are you doing today? I'm good, Ara. How are you? Absolutely fantastic and very excited to talk about this book. It happened right here. America's pop culture landmarks. I mean, we, we've all heard stories about certain places, but now you've made it a reality to every one of us who pick up this book. I appreciate that. I, you know, I've written a number of these books before, but nothing on this level. The scope of this one surpasses anything I've done. I think beyond anything anyone's done, this thing's about 500 pages. I mean, it's hundreds of places around the country that document everything from the big to the small, the sublime to the ridiculous, you know, rock and roll, crime, movies, television, sports, all of those places that we grew up with whether we're talking the Brady Bunch house, where the cheeseburger was invented, and everything in between, places that have affected and shaped our pop culture history. And so it was important for me to write this, not just as a travel book, but as a history book. You know, whether you go out and find the places or not, you can still learn a lot. But my, my theory was like, or the concept was whatever page you open to, there's going to be something really cool on there really compelling that you probably didn't know about before. You know, I, I love that about this book because, I mean, one of the things that uh, Lewis and Clark on Pompey's Pillar, just outside of Billings, Montana, they signed the sandstone. And a lot of people didn't believe that that expedition took place, but they've got that signature on that rock. And to visit that was just so, so amazing. No, you're exactly right. You know, and those are the little, I love places like that that are lesser known. There's a campground in Wyoming where Edison used uh, film. He, he, he wanted to burn something. So he found a plant that became the filament for the first light bulb. There's a little <laughs> sign that talks about that there. And you realize that these little random occurrences wound up affecting life on such a deep level, whether we're talking Lewis and Clark or Edison. You know, those are all in the book, along with more modern things like a a Stranger Things walking tour, Breaking Bad walking <laughs> tour. You know, I tried to really speak to to a younger audience as well and, and include everybody that's interested in, in their own kind of pop culture passion. You know, there's going to be a lot of people reaching out to you to sh- share with them or share with you the what, what they've got in their own uh, life. Because, I mean, I mean, Billy Graham's farmyard is a big shopping center now. And across the street is a dedication that Richard Nixon gave to Billy Graham. But nobody knows about that mark, that landmark over there. See, what you said is really key, and and I I do rely on the kindness of strangers who reach out that want to, uh, they they get caught up in this process. They get excited about the journey and the adventure and the illumination of what matters to them. And I've learned a lot through people that have read one of my books and say, hey, you know what? You wrote about Buddy Holly, you know, maybe played his last show here, but here's where he had his last lunch or whatever. And and I love that people want to help fill in the blanks they want to help show off their own community and and, and make these things public so that's part of the process for me so did you actually get to sit in the seat where steve bartman was because i always wanted to feel the and and and, you know and maybe somebody hit out in that oh my god what a blessing listen that you know whenever you can you can it's that specific where it's a seat you know it's one chair where something happened you you have to make that happen because that's the that's where you can fully appreciate and realize what the moment may have been like wow. you know it's one thing to walk into Ridley Field it's another to sit in that seat so no, I was absolutely right there uh, for a game you know what's cool is that when when places know you're coming yeah. and what you're working on if they're familiar with your work they will help facilitate that kind of experience I've been spoiled over the years by experiences like that from time to time, which which are really fun and cool. But yeah, I did sit in that seat. I, I totally agree with your experiences because you have written some of the most incredible books, one-on-oneness and sharing the true soul of, of the, those that you're writing about or the places that you're writing about. 
I appreciate that. Thank you. I mean, I believe in the the power of storytelling, and I, I, I that married for me with the the love of American culture and kind of a driving idea that I don't think our country always gets credit yeah. for all it's produced. And I will tell you, like on a personal level, that's always pushed me because I'm proud of the fact that that rock and roll and hamburgers that, that our country really has been <laughs> has given the world a lot of amazing things, the blues and jazz and everything. And, and so these books for me, especially the new one, are, are ways to celebrate that and, and take credit for the fact of what's come from the United States of America. You know, you talk about the music and, and music here in the States has always been regional. You got New York, you've got Seattle, you've got Atlanta. Was there one particular place where you go, whoa, I had no idea that this helped shape a sound? That's a great question. I mean, when you look at, I mean, you've got right now kind of a, a hip-hop birthday that mm -hmm. just kind of came i believe the 50th anniversary yep. if i'm not mistaken yep up in the bronx and like that I, I remember you know when that was all starting to cook being from new york and and those locations those inner city locations for me were very seminal in the book because it uh they, they haven't been written about that much. We all know about the crossroads, you know, down in Mississippi. We all know about CBGB in New York where the Ramones <laughs> first played, where I had the honor of seeing them, you know, back then in the 70s. But things like uh, the birth of hip -hop, hip hop culture for me was important to include in this book as well because it gives the book a more modern edge and appreciates and celebrates something that's become, again, highly culturally relevant. Did you feel something in the soil? And what I mean by that is, is I want to know why so many bands came out of Gainesville, Florida. I mean, it, it feels like Southern rock was born there. Man, I, I, I'm right with you. I mean, I'm a Leonard Skinner freak, Tom Petty freak. <laughs> and I think there, there are just certain, you know, we all know about Liverpool. We all know about, you know, Laurel Canyon. and and But what you mentioned, that Southern crossroads down there it isn't as documented but to your point when we look at the south and florida in particular there's incredible music that comes out of it that really did help shape the you know people didn't didn't grow up in the 70s i don't think can appreciate how important southern rock was yes. you know and, and and what that did and the, the authenticity of that music and it still holds up today that it went on to influence you know so many other bands around the country and around the world so i don't know what was in the water down there but i'm glad it was and i'm glad that 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 southern culture um still exists today and that those records and, and bands are still so relevant i learned just yesterday that the the uh, um uh, sunset strip in los angeles is what inspired las vegas and i went what see that's why books yeah. like what you've got is is so inspiring to the future growing forward you have to know where you come from and you have to know these origin stories I think the best appreciate that. And yes, the, the strip was absolutely the model. I've written extensively about that for what was in Vegas. And, uh, you know, it gets into, when you think about rock and roll, I write about where the big, you know, the, the, the big pink house in Saugerties, New York, where the band kind of came together with Bob Dylan. And then I, I connected to the Grateful Dead house and Hate Ashbury. And again, <laughs> all of a sudden the jam culture is, is, is those two bookended sites, you know, from, from New York and California, there's a story to be told there, which I tell in this book, and uh, and I love connecting those dots and, and helping people understand, you know, why things are the way they are. Computer geeks are going to find it very fascinating that when you talk about that you were there when the Apple computer was created, that one place you were there, the garage, the yes. Apple garage, the Hewlett Packard garage, the dorm room where Facebook was created. I mean, you've got all of these. You know, the, the, I got the spot on the sidewalk where the first cell phone call was made. I mean, all of these 
technological moments that were all sparked by a location that happened at a place. I don't think people always realize that you can go see those places. You can stand right there. Uh, typically, it won't cost you a penny to stand in that spot and experience <laughs> where where society was changed. So when you go into these these areas that we all know about, we've read about, is is smelling the air part of the senses that create the, the paragraph? In other words, because I would be that person that would go and go, oh, my God, okay, there's something still here. I love just being in this place. The air matters. I remember being a kid. In New York, we went into uh, on, a, on a field trip, a little cabin where George Washington, he'd been in there for like a second. He like went in there, looked at a map. He said, we'll go this way. And that was it. But he was still in there. And I remember saying to a friend of mine in like third grade, George Washington breathed this air that we're breathing. Like I felt it then that when you're in the presence of a place where, where, where history brushed up against they can tear down a place, they can build it and build it, but it doesn't change, the air can't be changed. Like it's always gonna be there, you yeah. know what I mean? And that, sometimes it's all that's left is the air. Oh, I'm so with you on that because even the pictorial caves out there in Billings, Montana, I mean, when you walk into those caves and you see those drawings on the wall, you just you just feel it. And it's it, to me, yeah. I, I, they're, they're spirit guides and keepers and they just basically say, welcome, what do you wanna know? Absolutely, and I, I get that sensation all the time. You know, when I'm wandering, in a, there's a field in Wasco, California, where Alfred Hitchcock shot that iconic scene in North by Northwest where the crop dusting plane chases Carrie Grant. And I mean, I had been hunting for that exact, for me, I'm very particular. I've got to find the exact spot. It can't just be like it was around here. And somebody connected me with the guy that actually flew the plane that chased Carrie Grant. Yeah. He was about eight, six years old at that point. He's no longer with us. But thanks to him, he walked me through that day, that production day, what it was like and where they stood and and the air that they breathed, you know. So, so sometimes you get lucky and you do get a guide, not necessarily a spirit guide, but a physical guide who was there to walk you through firsthand what it was like. Wow. Don't you love the stories, though, as an author, when things like Field of Dreams, that's, that little small town now has a museum that's based on what came from a movie, but yet the world is coming to it? Wonderful. Another, it's a great example. In Cleveland, Ohio, if you know the movie Christmas Story, <laughs> you know, that house where they shot that, similarly, they embraced the fact that that was where they shot it. They have a museum there. They have the tour. They allow you to experience on so many layered emotional levels, like feel like the Feel the Dream site, that uh, I love when places embrace that. Just as we're speaking right now, a week ago, out, outside of Salt Lake City, it was the anniversary of the movie The Sandlot, the 30th anniversary. Oh man! And they went back to the field where they shot that film, and I've been there. It's the location in the book, and all the actors were there, and they played a game on that field, and. Again, when places embrace it, you know, in Preston, Idaho, the cover of my book, uh, it happened right here, is Napoleon Dynamite's house. Yes. My daughter and I did a road trip to Preston. It's <laughs> one of her favorite movies, one of mine as well. We retraced that whole film and wound up playing tetherball on that playground where the end of the film was shot. So you can do this. This book, I want to believe, helps facilitate those kinds of adventures, whether you're sitting at home reading about it, or especially if you want to hit the road, this this book gives you that permission to believe that you can do it, you can get out there, and you can experience these places. Wow, I would love to know how many professional RVers are going to discover this book and then hit the road to see everything that you just did, because you're providing a map here. 
People, yeah, well, thank you for, for getting that part of it. I, you know, there are people that want to do that. They want to, you know, you think about van culture today and van life, this idea of this nomadic existence people have. I like to think a book like this can become a bit of a road Bible. Yeah. For folks that are always <laughs> out there that don't realize what they're driving past. And, hey, you know, why not go where the, the ice cream sundae was born or the potato chip or whatever, you know, when you're out there. Uh, there's so many places that help illuminate the American experience. And, uh, you know, I like and I get notes from people that, that are living like that. And this book is always in the glove box, you know, just in case. <laughs> it's like a Rand McNally magazine, man. There is there is that sense of, of, of again, mapping out, doing the legwork for people, literally, uh, so they don't have to do it. And I think people appreciate that. They like that the homework's done for them. They like that they can go create their own experience at a location and and go home with their own stories. I mean, I, I kind of start the process, but I, I like to think that readers go out and finish it. Wow. So now when you walk into that Subway uh, sandwich shop where Jesse Smollett, all that action took place, <laughs> do, do you instantly sit down and start writing? How, how do you bring it to the page? You know, in today's day and age, technically it's a lot easier to tell stories. I can grab my iPhone and yep. narrate a voice memo to myself about what I'm feeling, you know, and what I'm noticing and what details are there. And then I can get home and I can listen to that. And that, and I can remind, you know, it's so easy to capture moments easier than it was 20 years ago when I started doing these sorts of books. Um, today it's fun and I can share a piece of it in the moment and post a piece of it and say, you know what, this is where I am. This is what's upcoming. And so uh, for me, a lot of it is just on-site documentation with a lot of audio and then going home and sifting and sorting through those kinds of audio notes and visual notes and building the story that way. During your travels, did you ever feel fear in the way that it's still in the air? For instance, like the, the bank that Patty Hearst robbed, that photograph to this day is still planted inside my imagination to go in there and, and to feel the fear of the employees that were part of that bank. There's definitely an immersive feeling that I get in places like that where there was threat, yep. where there was pain and there was trauma. The one that probably sticks out the most is a Manson-related site that's very, very mm. little known. Everybody knows the famous house on Cielo Drive and Sharon Tate, but when they left that house, they were covered in blood and they stopped randomly off of Benedict Canyon in someone's driveway where they noticed a hose and they hose themselves off oh, the blood God. in that driveway. And it's just a little driveway. It's a little random spot that happened to get brushed up against by this infamous history. And, and that place in particular, when I stand there, I get a, a real sense of, of dread, you know, because it's like, what, what was the conversation, if any, were they having in that moment? They know what they've done. They know they got to get out, but they know they've got to get the blood off them, you know? Mm. And so... Yeah, those those places for sure definitely for me still contain those the, the the ominous foreboding moments that were happening. Do you take any spiritual tools with you when you go into these haunted places? Only because I mean, I, I believe in Native American spirituality, and I bring feathers with me at all times because I want I want them to to know that hey, I'm safe and B, I'm protected. It's an interesting question. I've never been asked that. I, I, I haven't done that. I sort of do the reverse in that I try and leave with a piece of the place. Maybe it's a brick or a yeah. cup full of dirt or something. But but I like to keep a connection with me. And I over the years have amassed hundreds, thousands of pieces of history. On my walls, I sit here talking to you right now. I'm looking at a piece of the Hindenburg. 
Oh my uh, God. Skeleton. I'm looking at a piece of the breast, of the uh, eyeglass case that was in the breast pocket of Alexander Hamilton when he had the duel with Aaron Burr. So uh, I, I collect these pieces of history. That's how I remain connected and create, I guess, an emotional or, or even spiritual connection to your point. Uh, to help those places remain alive in my own psyche and spirit. Are you setting up a museum for the future? I mean, I, I could probably do it. I have a friend named um, Scott Michaels who is uh, has run death tours throughout California for years and years. He he had a museum till recently, a death museum, which was wonderfully interesting and and macabre and all that and uh mine is of course not just about death i have all kinds of different pieces of history maybe someday you know what i never say never to things like that and while i keep these little pieces for my own remembrance you know what who knows they, they could wind up as a part of some relic what was some reliquary someplace sometime to take that trip to the zeppelin crash site my god i mean that that in itself once again it, it starts with pictures but to physically be there now that, that that photograph has words to it and it's your words yeah and it's funny you mentioned that it was it was one of the first places i visited in lakehurst new jersey mm -hmm. and it's remains to me one of the most impactful for anyone most of us have seen the footage the announcer screaming oh the humanity as that as the crash happened back in the 1930s and uh just the it was really the first time that that kind of catastrophic event was documented on film you know it really was that was the first time people had seen uh, something like that happened and it remains so haunting so to stand there at that site there's a little marker they put there that, that, that you know places you right at that location and um you know it's uh that for me was one of the, the there's more gravity at that site it was one of the most impactful sites for me of oh, any place i visited thousands of these locations and that one really has got to be like top five in terms of, of dramatic feeling that i got what about war zone sites such as here i'm here in the south so you know we're, we're blessed with all these these uh, civil yeah. war sites but i also came from like i said from montana custer battlefield was i mean to stand out there in that field and to try to figure out what was being felt Oh, God, it's in the book. I mean, I remember being, there's a steakhouse called Keene's Steakhouse in New York. I remember as a kid that had Custer's Clay Pipe, oh the restaurant famous for clay pipes. <laughs> and that always made me think of that location. And going to that location for the book was just, you know, look, I went to a lot of battlefields as well that are in the book because, I, yeah, obviously, you know, that's where, where, where the ghosts really yep. hang in the air, yep. you know, yep. at places like that. And, um, you know, whether it's Antietam or, or Custer's Last Stand, all those places that are in this book are are very impactful. You know, the uh, the, the the there's a Mormon site. You know, there was a, a mass murder site in Utah that took place years ago. That's mm. a, the, the Mountain Meadows Massacre, I believe it's called. Standing there similarly was also very, uh, very impactful for me because, again, when, when a place is silent, you know, when you're out in the middle of nowhere yep. and all you hear is the wind blowing through the grasses, it really, I think it carries the echoes of those events back to you. You, oh, know? God. you allow yourself to be in tune and in touch with those. You can hear them and you can feel them. Oh, God. 20 minutes with you is just not enough. That's why people have got to get this book. 500 pages. Well <laughs> worth it. Please come back to this show anytime in the future, Chris. This was one of my most interesting and wonderful conversations Arno. thank you so much for having me this was, it really was wonderful you be brilliant today okay you too my friend thank you